0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Hour number two of our Sunday show, 1-800-919-3776. Thanks for joining us. Let's go right back to the phones. We're talking a little basketball. We'll go back. Uh, Aaron Boone had some comments. In case you didn't didn't uh, join us at the beginning, Brian Hoke had sent out a tweet that Josh Donaldson rushed the, play, the media. As you know, they have a chance to talk to any players that are available before the game. They went to his stall to speak with him. He said, "I had to go, got a meeting, left." Aaron Boone's pregame presser was about a half hour late, and afterwards, uh, we guys reported that Boone spoke with Donaldson and had some things to say to him about, uh, you know, playing more and stuff like that. So before we get to the phones, let's go back. Aaron Boone um, says on his expectations about Donaldson's play going forward.
2: I want to get DJ and JD going and and big G for that matter, you know, rolling like we know they're capable of. And, you know, I expect them all to play a lot
1: and that makes sense. Okay. Because you need them to perform, especially Stanton, whom for me, as I said earlier, has that track record, right? He's the guy who you've seen it long layoff, Injury, whatever, comes back, slow startup, or but when he gets going, gives you big-time production for a decent period of time. And with the news that you got about Aaron Judge with the torn ligament in the toe, whatever thought process you had about him coming back, time-wise, you just throw it out because you have no concept now. No concept of when that's going to happen. So you do need to get these guys going. But the Donaldson situation, to be quite frankly, and we've given you know, his numbers about how bad he's been. Uh, You would have thought that maybe they were going to make a move like to get him out or let him go or whatever. You know, he wasn't going to be traded because he's got no trade value. That's how bad he's been. And he's been out of the lineup for a while. So Boone on resting Donaldson an extra day.
2: I think again, those guys are all going to play a lot. This was something where, you know, we're we're going into an off day and with JD, like I, I was, you know, just wrestling with getting him back in there today into the off day or just having the full fledged go into the off day and then, you know, let it rip on Tuesday. So it was just a tough decision that I was wrestling with kind of all day yesterday.
1: All right. So. is Honestly, honestly. With the way he's producing, it's not that tough a decision. <laughs> Sit him down. Set him. It's not that tough a decision. And then, obviously, what he's saying is going forward, they're going to be in the lineup every single day. Well, great. Now, is this a – here's my question. I'll get to phones in a second, I promise. Tom, Joe, here's my question. Is this a analytical decision? Okay, you because, I mean, what bases would you say – all right, well, I'm just going to arrest them struggling with it what do the what do the numbers say well I'm, i told you what the numbers said for me the numbers said for me he needs to sit like and not just an extra day he's a set he's not producing so i'm trying to figure out in the in what we know as a analytically driven league and the yankees one of the top teams who subscribe to analytics what numbers say well maybe we should sit him an extra day going into a stretch where we're going to play him every day because analytics would say, well, we're not going to play him every day. We have to, so help me out guys. I'm lost.
3: I think this is the rare case where analytics and the eye test actually are aligned because no matter what numbers you look at and no matter how much videotape you look at of him just swinging and missing this year, I think I, I saw a few compilations of uh, just strikeouts, one looking and one swinging from Josh Donaldson this year. He hasn't been good, so I think you're right with the with the analytics. They would say, well, he's not really producing, so we shouldn't play him. And if you have two eyeballs, you can that that work. You can see that he's not producing, even when he's on the field, and you're not even looking at the analytics. Maybe it's not such an analytical decision. Maybe it's more of the human element that we're seeing here. Not just that Booneys might be taking those analytics and then tossing them to the side. But maybe because this team is struggling so much that he's trying to keep things intact in the clubhouse almost. Hmm. And the happy Josh Donaldson might make things a little bit better in the clubhouse. We don't know exactly what goes on in the locker room. But... That will increase his morale, Is playing every day. Whether or not he likes hearing the booze by 40,000 Yankees fans every night in the Bronx, I couldn't tell you. I probably wouldn't like it. But that would be my only estimation as to what I think could be potentially going on here. Because any numbers and any baseball scout would tell you, do not play Josh Donaldson.
1: Nope. Not at all. And once again, I get what he gives you from the field. You know, I get it. You know, I, I hear what the Yankees say about him. I've seen him make some, he's a, he's a, okay, for me, he's a very solid third baseman. All right. He's a very, he's a really good third baseman. Really good third baseman. Gold glove, uh, not last year, but he's a really good third baseman. So defensively, he's okay. But offensively, and this is what you need right now, you're not in a position where you can play guys just for defense. You've got enough of that in your lineup already. you got to get some offense going. And yes, I agree. I agree with LeMahieu because I've seen something from him. He hasn't been totally awful. All right? He's hit. I've seen – and Stanton has a track record. But Donaldson does not have a track record with this team since he's been here. This has been – kind of, what you've seen. This is what you've seen. So, I, I don't know that he should play a lot. I'm just saying. I mean, put it to, I'll put it to you this way. Escobar was hitting better than Donaldson, and Escobar wasn't playing with the Mets. He had been benched. And he's hitting better. He was hitting better than Donaldson. His at-bats looked better than Donaldson's at-bats. And Donaldson gets to play every day.
3: Larry, could this be a situation like what happened with Vogelbach where it's a mental break? Cause could be. How bad Donaldson's been at the plate, it's kind of leaking into his de- a defensive play like what happened uh, the other night with... The miscue in the field and the errant throw to Herman. Could could this be a situation where Boone just goes in there and says, we're going to give you a couple of days off. You might not need it, but we just want to get your head right because you really are impor- important to this team and we need you to get going. Could be. It's a good point. Could be. Because it, it's something.
1: It's got to be something. And volgerback has been a different player since he's come back. Been a different player. Because it it has to wear on you, and we could have the discussion. And I know I've heard it on the station a gazillion times. How does booing your your a player on your team help them get better? How does that happen? He now, stinks. Exactly. How, how does that happen? how, how, how is that going to make them better? Doesn't show support. Doesn't do this. Doesn't. Do, I get it. I understand all that. So we could have that discussion. But he hears it. Listen, Stanton is hearing it, and for me, for me, as much as he's heard it, and hasn't, it doesn't seem he doesn't it doesn't seem to bother him. I know it does. He's a human being. He's not going up there trying to not hit. <laughs> All right, that's not his. That's not his idea. He's not going up there to not hit. He's trying. He's just off, and. He's been booed and booed and booed, and it doesn't bother him. He continues to, in a, in a sense, it doesn't bother him that he lashes out or makes statements in the media or, you know, do a thumbs down or all the stuff like the Mets did and like Julius Randle did. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He continues to go out there and he hits. When he does, he gives it his all. So you know it bothers Donaldson. It has to. He's a professional. He has an ego. He knows he's better than how he's been. Now, sometimes you are delusional and to think you are as good as you once were, but you have to have that confidence, otherwise you'll never survive. So he's confident he can still be a major league hitter. And so, yeah, maybe it is a situation. And Vogelbeck, like I said, has been a different player since he's been back. I don't know how it's going to last, but it's been, there's been a difference. Maybe that is it. I've talked enough. Let's go to the phones when we return. 1-800-919-3776 on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: The ESPN New York Beach Bash hits the Jersey Shore Friday, June 30th, honest oh, this Friday at Bar A in Lake Como, New Jersey for the two live broadcast and appearance from D.P.H.O. and the Rothenberg who will give away the All-American Ford Bronco. It all kicks off with Bart and Han live at noon followed by the Michael K. Show from 3 to 7 with giveaways for fans in attendance and music from the Moroccan Sheep Herders. It's all brought to you by Patron Tequila, Stolivak, Bed Bedhams, GM, all American auto group, Calandra's bakery, smart water and flight by Yingling. You must be at least 21 years of age to enter. It's 98, seven ESPN. Larry Hardesty with you. 1-800-919-3776. Ian Begley at the bottom of the hour, but right now it's Kenny and Dobbs Ferry. Kenny, you're next on 98, seven.
2: Well, thank you very much. And uh great show in the afternoon. You're getting a spillover from the other station as they go to the Yankee game. But listen, third base, let's see what third base means to the Yankees. Um, I think the trade they made with the Twins also had a lot to do with filling the shortstop position because Glaber was a disaster there for the two years he was there. They forced that trade, and they really took on Donaldson's salary. But the problem there is they had free agents who, who were shortstops? They had a lot of free agents in a couple of years. They could have signed one, but they didn't want to give any of those guys a big contract. That that is the biggest problem there. Sometimes you make trades where you're trying to fill a hole, but you're really not. You're not complementing your team. And they had they had a guy playing. The shelter playing third base was doing a damn good job there mm-hmm. defensively, especially. So that trade was an unnecessary trade because they didn't want to spend the money. Uh, a lot of people getting on the Yankees with the pitching, and oh, you should have brought this guy in. A lot of people should realize that guys they get once they get to the ballpark they 'll tell the pitching coach the relief pitchers not today, and that 's it they 're not going to pitch that day. Their arm feels a little tight or something whatever, and they don 't come in that 's the way the major leaguers are today. If you fast forward and then in reverse fifty years back, uh, relief pitchers and starters were afraid to to say something like that. There was really no big car- con- guaranteed contracts back then. Guys pitched with bad arms. Sparky Lyle said, he said, I hit a, a, a bad elbow in, in, when he was with the Red Sox in their system. So you've you got to look at it in, in today's game. The the problem with the Mets and the Yankees, to me, is the scouting system. they got to re- revamp that. They've got to come up with better formulas for finding players. I mean, who are the scouts? Are the scouts guys that they know or they're drinking buddies or nepotism or something going on there, they're just not signing good players. Of course once in a while you're gonna hit, but you're not gonna hit all the time and even if the player's a good pitcher, a guy could hurt his arm or something, and then you then that's a miss too. So I think the farm systems, I'm a big advocate of signing the American kids at sixteen years old, like they do some of the foreign players. Because let's face it, you're in the major league farm system at sixteen. You have a bigger advantage over anybody who has to go. Our boys are still in high school at the time. Some of them have jobs. They have to do all kinds of things. They're not sure if they're going to go to college, if they're going to get drafted. And there's a lot of things going on. These guys are in the major league.
1: Thanks for the phone call. Uh, Look, a couple things based on what you said. Um, Pitching right now, pitching is not the Yankees' issue. Their issue is their offense. Their pitching has been good enough as a matter of fact, it's their pitching that has them in the position it's in. It's not really their offense. So the pitching has been okay. Uh, the minor league system, we can have that conversation. Uh, you are correct. Certainly from the Mets standpoint, I think you're you're more correct than the Yankees standpoint because by their own admission, they're trying to rebuild the Mets farm system because it's kind of thin. The Mets farm system has always been built around pitching, it just seems like to me. Maybe it just works out that way, but you've always seen pitchers come from that farm system and be successful more so than hitters. Now, Pete Alonso, obviously, is, is a turn in the right direction. Uh, Beatty has been a turn in the right direction, I believe. Vientos could be. We'll wait and see how he goes. But for the most part, it's really been pitching for the Mets. For the Yankees, look. I'm not going to sit here, like I said earlier, and tell you I, I know their farm system inside out. But I will say this to you, and Carla brought it up earlier. The Yankees didn't want to make a move because they felt Volpe was going to be the, the, the representative of what is great in their system. And they still may be right. Okay, everybody's not a success when they come up to the major leagues. We could give you chapter and verse about players who are who are in the Hall of Fame who started out brutal, in their first couple of years in the major leagues. So the jury is still out on what Volpe may be. But right now, when you look at it, and there are veteran players you could have had, and you're saying, well, we didn't want to give up this kid, as an example, one of them, this kid, okay? And you're looking at that, and you're saying, well, I mean, the way he's in it now? Defensively, he's been been really good. Okay? Defensively is not the issue. When he does get on base, got speed, steals bases for you. So we're not sure how this part is going to hang out. This really has been for the Yankees. It's about the lack of offense that they have in their their lineup. And, yes, you're right about the fact that IKF was put into that deal because they didn't want to spend the money for the shortstop because they had Volpe ready to bring him up. And so they wanted you know of a, a, a short a guy who could play short to hold the position for them because they were going to bring him up this year that's true but and and obviously yeah you talk about the situation of them you know bringing Donaldson in there but you know what they could have went elsewhere to find to get another shortstop this was about a team that was going to take Gary um, Gary Carter oh my God uh, Gary Sanchez this was a team that was going to take Gary Sanchez off their hands and in hindsight the way this and they don't know that but in hindsight, they should have released Sanchez and made a deal for a better shortstop. Bottom line. Joe's in Connecticut. What's up, Joe?
2: Yeah. How's it going? Good. Good. All right. So here's my theory on Donaldson. I think Boone and Cashman and whoever's making the decisions took a look at the upcoming schedule, said, take today off. You don't have to face the home crowd. We're going to Oakland and and St. Louis the next six games, two below-average teams. Get it going against those teams. And if you don't, then you're going to be gone. And they'll bring up Peraza. He'll play some third base before the All-Star game. they also Peraza's been a little bit dinged up from what I'm hearing, too. So this might be the last few days. Get Peraza healthy down in the minors over the next week. And if Donaldson doesn't turn it up against Oakland and St. Louis, that's it. He's done. What are your that, on
1: Joe. that? I could see that, Joe. Thanks for the phone call. I could see that being the issue. Because let's be honest. It doesn't take 30 minutes <laughs> to say, listen, I'm going to sit you today, give you an extra day. I know you're struggling a little bit. Give you a breather. Do some extra work in the cage. And uh, we'll we'll get at it on the road in Oakland. It does not take a 30 minutes to have that conversation. It doesn't. So I could see that very easily, having that conversation in that sense. That this is your this is your opportunity. What are some things I can do for you? What are some things you're feeling? Here's some things that I'm seeing. Okay, when we look when we look at video. Maybe he broke down some video with him. I don't know. But to say we're gonna have this is what's happening for the length of time that the delay was from his normal. Pregame presser time to the time it happened, that's a little weird. Unless he was having a similar conversation with all three players. Maybe. But that's not the indication we got from those covering the Yankees, especially Brian Hoke, who sent the original tweet out. All right. So for based on that, if we are to, you know, do a little investigation. That would be the perfect thing. That would make sense to me. Hey, this could be it, my friend. We give you an extra day, take some time, you know, get ready. Look at some video, get some extra swings in the cage, because you have to produce on this trip. Have to. And Oakland, yes, struggling. Cardinals. Are struggling, but they're you know they haven't been bad of late. They're starting to win a couple games, so they're hoping that they can turn some things around. But there's no question that uh, <laughs> Just Austin needs to get going, and in a hurry. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the NBA. We'll be joined by Sny Insider Ian Begley. We'll talk Knicks, Nets, and the NBA next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Let's welcome in our guest, Ian Begley. Does a tremendous job as the NBA insider for SNY. Remember to check out the putback on SNY.tv. Does that two, three times a week. Ian, welcome, my friend. How are you?
0: Larry, what's happening, man? How are you?
1: I'm doing great, my friend. I'm doing great. What's the days for uh, the putback again?
0: You know, we're going on Tuesday this coming week, and then we'll be on right at the start of free agency, Friday, 6 p.m. So we should be having some fun, talking Knicks, talking Nets, talking NBA,
1: Absolutely, and uh,
0: it'll be a good time.
1: Yes, yeah, a fun time of year. Busy for you, but a fun time of year. Yes, indeed. All right, Ian, let's start with the Knicks. Let's dissect the... Derrick Rose, Josh Hart situation. Um, Mm -hmm. Can can the Knicks, and assuming that we're saying goodbye to Derrick Rose, they're not going to bring him back and resign him to, let's say, a veteran minimum or something of that nature. So we'll just put that aside. Is this a scenario where he's gone? Okay. So is this a scenario where Josh Hart could actually fill that slot to give them some more money to go after some free agents if they needed to?
0: Yeah, so the situation now, Rose, his contract and his option is kind of separate from Hart. I thought they might pick up Rose's option if they had a trade at the ready and they could include Rose's salary for next year in it because he'd be an expiring contract. But with the Hart situation, if he opts in, he'll have a good $13 million next year, and then he's eligible for an extension you know, as high as four years, $80 million. Uh, but if he opts in, he's foregoing uh, some money, a significant amount of money, for this coming season. Well, what that does for the Knicks, though, so it gives them access to a exception that they could use in free agency that's valuable. And that would allow them to sign another player, maybe two players. And I know they they are fans of Dante DiVincenzo. I think some people over there feel like they should really make a hard push for him in free agency. I'm sure they have other free agents on their minds, but that's where the hard decision comes in. Because if he opts in, it gives the Knicks more money uh, to play with in free agency this summer.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And that would, I guess that would be, it's not the best of both worlds for Josh Hart, but what it is for the Knicks is if he does that, it gives them some more flexibility. So mm-hmm. that would be great for them because here's what we know, Ian. The division has already improved, and so it's going to be pressure on Leon Rose and company to get this team a little better.
0: Yeah, you got to improve off of forty-seven wins. I mean, they beat everybody's expectations last year. The difficult part is building off of that, though. You know, we saw what happened the season after they made the playoffs last year. There was a regression, so you want to avoid that. You want to get better. Do you bet on internal improvement of your young guys and some smaller additions, or. Do you make a big change in the form of trading out some of those young guys for another player? I think that's the question that they'll be weighing over the next few days here. And Larry, let's say they get that exception, right? Let's say Hart opts in, they get the bigger exception. They sign a player. They would need to make room for that player in the rotation because right now, even without Derrick Rose and and let's say they trade Evan Fournier, there's still no room in the rotation. So it's going to be interesting to see how things develop here. If they sign a free agent, there's got to be a corresponding move to get that player a spot in Tom Thibodeau's rotation.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. That's the voice of Ian Begley, SNY NBA Insider. It's the Larry Hardesty show here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Ian, the Knicks have been involved in a lot of trade rumors. I've seen a lot of people going and coming from the Knicks. Let's talk about the Paul George rumors that have been, Uh, I don't see, I don't see a one-on-one, a team-on-team situation. Is this kind of like Porzingis in the sense that this, if this were to happen, does this have to be a three-way deal, Ian?
0: A three-team deal? I agree with you, Larry. Like I I don't know. Maybe they could get a one, a two-team deal done, but the way I kind of look at it is if you're going to move Paul George, you're the Clippers, you're going to have to bring back a player or players who are going to help you win right away. Uh, The Knicks... Could they offer that And Jalen Brunson? Sure, but they're not trading Jalen Brunson. Would a Julius Randle or an R.J. Barrett be, as a headline of a trade, be enough for the Clippers to feel like they can go ahead and compete for a title? I don't know. Uh, that's, That's why I think what you're saying makes sense. You get a third team off, and that's very complicated. You know, it's first of all, the Clippers have to decide that they want to move Paul George. I don't know if they've done that yet. I don't know where they are with that. I do know that the Knicks and the Clippers touch base on a Paul George trade prior to the draft. I've seen, you know, some people, uh, in other media precincts, uh, question that. It definitely happens. Where they are now, I couldn't tell you, but I, I would assume if the Clippers are going to uh, have conversations about Paul George and at least consider moving Paul George, the Knicks would continue to be interested.
1: Zion Williamson. Um...
0: Can't. Oh, go ahead, Larry. No, Sorry. go
1: ahead. No. Go right to it.
0: Can't see. Yeah, can't see. I don't think the Pelicans are going to move them. Um, and if the Knicks are going to make this big all-in move for a player, even if it's Zang Olsen where maybe you're not, you know, cashing all your chips in, Leon Rose and his group have been pretty risk-averse since they've come here. It's And they've been careful, I think, with where they're going to spend that, excuse me, that trade capital. And – Zion's a risky, risky endeavor because of the injury history. If he's healthy, he's tremendous, but he has not been healthy that often over the course of his career. That's why just looking at a big picture with the way Leon Rose and their group have operated to date, I wouldn't see them taking on something as risky as Zion if it's going to cost you a lot of that trade capital.
1: Now, Ian, I know you don't know. But from a thought process, could we end up looking at this Knicks offseason and say that they add some three-point makers and that's the biggest difference in this team?
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, that's... Because the only other route to go is to make a big trade. And then, you know, as we say, you're opening up spots in your rotation and you're also presumably being, bringing back a big-time player. But the the other... Uh, Easier route, or not as complicated route, I don't want to say easy because nothing easy, um, is to take your exceptions that you have, spend them on free agents, do some more minor, medium-sized deals to open up rotation spots, and largely bring back last year's team with a couple of free agent additions and with one or two of the rotation players not here.
1: Got some calls in about a lot of Nick fans would love to see Brooke Lopez here. Uh, a guy who could, you know, pull, pull yourself, you know, he plays defense, has the three point shot, could pull, you know, opposing centers away, especially with Posengus now in Boston, could pull him away from the basket as well as a defender. Uh, I just don't see Milwaukee giving, letting him go for the very same reason that Posengus is in Boston. Um, what are you kind of hearing, if any, thought process about what Milwaukee's going to do as far as coming, uh, holding their team back, bringing their team back?
0: I think they want Lopez back. I think they want Middleton back. You saw Middleton uh, opt out of the, the player option of his, his contract, and I think that means they've got an extension ready for him. Um, with Lopez, you know, he's going to have suitors. We know Houston has money to spend, and I know Houston, the director from the top, is to – get players who can help us win right now you know they're done with trying to tank for draft picks and and going through that process I think they want some win-now players so I would assume Houston could be would be aggressive and trying to get Lopez from Milwaukee but I think Lopez is the top priority for Milwaukee I mean it's it's worked so why make a change there Uh, so I think it'd be difficult for the Knicks to acquire them it would be I would assume a sign and trade which is always tricky They don't have enough money to sign him outright. Um, So I don't see it as as very likely because also you're talking about Ben trading Mitchell Robinson and getting whatever you're getting back for him, but that's a significant move. So I I don't see Lopez to New York as likely because of all those factors.
1: Uh, One more on the Knicks. Have we seen the last of Obi Toppin on this team, Ian? I mean, I see him in every trade, (laughs) every possible trade his name is in it.
0: Well, you know, if you look for trades on Twitter, you could find uh, anybody's name anywhere. But yeah, I think that with the topping situation, like you've seen it, Larry, if you watch this team over the last three years, you know that he's frustrated at times when he comes off the bench. He's unhappy uh, that he got yanked. And, you know, he probably wants a bigger role. And he's coming up on a point in his career where he's getting ready for that second contract. So I think if there are moves that are made where it'll, it, clears up some room for him and to give him more minutes next year, I'll assume that he's happy. The Knicks are happy and they go from there. They go into his fourth season with him on the roster, with him having a chance to earn more minutes. But if nothing changes and there's still Julius Randle in the way of him getting minutes or other players, I would think that he, his representation and the Knicks work together to find topping another home where he'll have that opportunity to get more minutes He's, he's coming up unrestricted for agency, pivotal time for him. I think there's there's a, a lot of organic ties between Toppin and the Knicks, and I think they would just – it wouldn't be adversarial. I think they'd work together to try to figure it out, get him to another spot if there's no move made that opens up bigger minutes for him.
1: Yeah, let's switch to the Nets for a, a couple of minutes. Uh, obviously, Damian Lillard's name has been mentioned. And him going over there and the Nets trying to sign him and a deal or something of that nature. But it seems as though that Mikael Bridges is who Portland kinda wants. And I would think if I'm the Nets, he's a guy that I'm not moving. What's the latest going on with the, the Nets and the possibility of getting um Damian Lillard or or somebody what's game what's uh game uh, what's plan B? What I'm trying to say.
0: Right, right. I think you hit it on the head, Larry. <clears throat> if Damian Lillard goes to Portland management and says, I want to be traded, does Portland say, you know, we're going to send Dean where he wants to go because he's been such a great representative for our franchise? Or do they say we're going to do the best deal for us and we'll trade you, but we have to do what's best for the organization. If they go with the latter approach, I don't know how Brooklyn makes an offer. I mean, they have the, some pick swaps, they got some picks back in in more recent trades. So they do have some draft capital, but I don't know how they make an offer that would beat, let's say, uh, Philadelphia or, you know, maybe um, even a Miami. And uh, so I don't, I don't know how they exceed that offer. Maybe they can, but unless you're putting, you're not putting Mikael Bridges in in the offer, as you said. So what are we talking about then? Uh, We're talking about younger players, talking about maybe Cam Johnson, but, I just see other teams as being able to exceed that offer. So Lillard, first of all, Lillard, Lillard has to ask for a trade. That doesn't happen. That hasn't happened yet. But plan B to me is doing everything you can to bring Cam Johnson back. Now, I was told just people monitoring Johnson's free agency, they believe that Nets be comfortable going four years and north of $84 million in total on a Johnson deal. So I think that would put him in good position to max match any offer sheet he might sign I would assume that Detroit Houston other teams with space strongly consider trying to sign Johnson to that offer sheet forcing the Nets to match but I think the Nets match I think they they obviously want to bring him back Um, and so that would give them bridges and Cam Johnson to young players to kind of build also and and get this thing moving in the right direction but I think plan B Larry as, as we're talking about it it's the focus on Cam Johnson and, and making sure he comes back.
1: Last thing, Ian, what does Miami do? I'm very, I'm very concerned about Pat Riley as a Knicks fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pat, uh, he's, been, he's been hurting the Knicks for a while now, huh? Yes, he, he has. uh They want Lillard, obviously. I think that's, that's their top target. Uh, if that's not possible, you know, they have the – the uh, ammunition to get involved in other trades. I, I just don't know what that other big move might be. Um, obviously, Beal was a target. That didn't happen. Lillard's a target. He needs to ask out in order for that to become a uh, reality. Uh, there are other players who might get moved. You talk about a Draymond Green, you don't know his future with Golden State. There's uncertainty there. So there are other players that they could target. Uh, but if it's not Lillard, um i I think they do something because we've been talking about them making you know big time trade for so long now the difference now to me is they made the finals without tyler hero now tyler hero is a great young player but if they played the way they played and they had the success that they had without him to me that says that if you want to include him in a deal You do it, and you get something very valuable back. So I think it maybe is a little different this time around for Pat Riley and the Heat than it has been in past situations.
1: I know I said last one, but I got one more. Were you
0: surprised? Anytime, Larry, you keep me coming.
1: (laughs) Were you surprised at the Chris Paul to Golden State? How do you see that working? That I'm trying to figure that one out.
0: I, if you told me he was going to go to a Western Conference or a team in California. I would have put my money on the Clippers or the Lakers before the Warriors. But, look, Mike Dunleavy Jr., the new head man in charge over there, took a big swing. Um, you know, it's a risk given George's age. Uh, but he I think he still played at a pretty, pretty good level over the course of the season for the Suns. Can he stay healthy? That's a question mark at, at his age. But I think it was a – risky risky move for Golden State but also one that made sense because they needed some another ball handler they obviously could use that veteran presence he's a winning player um, and they were going to get off of Jordan Poole they wanted to get off of Jordan Poole anyway so they found a way to get off Jordan Poole and to bring back someone who can help you right away if you look at it from that perspective I think it made sense for the Warriors
1: You can hear him on The Putback, which will the first one will air this Tuesday. Then again, getting you ready for free agency. And he's always on SNY doing a great job. He is Ian Begley, SNY NBA Insight. And you can catch him at Ian Begley on Twitter. Great information there. Ian, always a pleasure, my friend. Good to talk to you. regards to the family.
0: Likewise, Larry. Always fun to talk to you on a Sunday, my friend. Take
1: care. All right. Take care, Ian. 1-800-919-3776. 1-800-919-3776. A lot to unpack from what Ian had to say. We'll get your thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at ESPN at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. I got to tell you, folks, I, I've known Ian. Well, Ian was a colleague. We worked side-by-side with the Knicks when he was with ESPN and then uh, moved on, and he's doing a tremendous job for SNY. And I enjoy talking to him. He is as plugged in as anybody with what goes on around the league. And so when you hear some of the options that the Knicks have, to be honest, I think, and that's why I asked him, I think ultimately what you're going to see, and I could, obviously we all could be wrong because we don't know what moves they're making or what they're going to try to do, big plans or do some different things, right, to, to improve this team. But I do think at bare minimum, bare minimum, they have to add some better three-point makers on this team. Defense Andrew from Golden State is one. Seth Curry, who's with Brooklyn, sorry, Joe Leo, is another one. I mean, they have to improve their three-point makers because that's what this league is. Like it or not, that's what this league is. This is a three-point-making league. And if you don't have one or two or three of those guys, it's going to be hard for you to win. Okay? It's going to be hard. And so for this Nick team, that is the next step for them. They have to find a way to get some more three-point makers on this team. All right? Defense, we know what goes on with defense on this team. And the thing with Josh Hart is – for me, that would be the best way to do If he would give you that opportunity to say, okay, I'll pick up this option. I'll play for this amount this year. And afterwards, I want to sign the max, the four-year max deal. That's great. Because what it does for you as the Knicks is it says, listen, we could maybe add another couple of players with the money that we have going into a season next year where everything is going to change. With the new agreement, there's a new TV contract coming in. There's new stipulations coming in because of the agreement between the NBA and the Players Association. So there's other things that you can maneuver. So this really is the year for you to be able to move and plug and play and do some different things. So if, and hopefully by him with the extension that Wolves reported, that he has extended to Thursday to give them an idea of what he's going to do, then that's a great move. If indeed they can get him to, you know, work where they get more opportunities to add some players. If they can do that, that would be great. If not, it's going to hurt them a little bit. And if you're Josh Hart, I understand it. I want my money. <laughs> That's what he's saying. I want my money. I get it. I understand it. <clears throat> that he would say, "I want to get paid." But if he, but if you can make that agreement, that helps you. So many different rumors of trades of, you know, uh, uh, Julius Randle moving, and see, here's the other thing that I get really discouraged about is. The only <laughs> the only players that you see that the Knicks are, you know, Paul George, injury, uh, Zion William, injury, Williamson, injuries. Uh, most of the players that the Knicks are rumored to be interested in are players who have injury history. And so, Yeah, uh, there's an article by Mike Lupica yesterday where he said, you know, listen, take a big swing. You know, Aaron Judge was hurt early in his career, and over the past couple of seasons, he's been healthy. Of course, excluding this situation that he's in now. And this is not, this is just a, this is him making a play. This is not him with a tissue or hamstring or something like that, a muscle injury. This is him going out there playing hard like he plays every day. And it happens. But that's not that's not why Josh that's not why Zion Williamson hasn't been playing. Zion Williamson hasn't been playing because he's got muscle issues because of some, some some bad diet decisions that he's made. And so Lupica's right, and I get him. Lupica says, "Listen, we'll roll the dice, get him." Well, see, New Orleans thinks they can still do it, get him squared away. And what are you sending New Orleans? You can't send them Julius Randle. You got to they let him go. <laughs> That's where you signed him as a free agent from them. So that's not going to work. He's not going back there. And where are you going to move him to? So, so right now, I don't see a place where you're moving. Paul George, I mean, listen, great talent. Availability is a question. It's a question. He didn't play in the playoffs last year. I mean, if you're the Clippers, I mean, you've got two guys on there who, who are very rarely available for you. They, I would love to see how many games have they actually played together in the postseason since they've been there? Five? I mean, I can't imagine. I don't remember seeing both of them on the floor in the postseason a lot. So if I'm the Knicks, why do I want that scenario of getting a a, a player who's great but not available? That doesn't help me. So I'm really thinking that when all this is said and done, as I mentioned to Ian Begley, When all this is said and done, it's going to be pretty much the same team that you're running back, sprinkled with some different rotation players who can hit threes, and you try to run it and see what you can do and just be flexible that if you can make a move on the fly, you do. We'll hear what you have to say next. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.